Glory be to Jesus in this Easter season. Good evening, fellow redeemed. Let us pray. Lord, sanctify us by your truth, for your word is peace and truth. Amen. Moses recorded five different sacrifices in the book of Leviticus. And in the next couple of minutes, what I want to do is focus on one of them tonight called the peace offering. So please stay with me here for the next few minutes, okay? So we're going to look at the peace offering. The peace offering had three options when it came to picking an animal for the sacrifice. You could pick from the herd, which meant it was a, a bull or an ox for a cow. You could pick from the sheep, and you could pick from the goats. And it did not matter if the animal was male or female, it just had to be without blemish. Now, the animal was then taken to the tabernacle, and three main steps had to happen for the sacrifice to take place. The first thing to happen was that the one that was going to sacrifice it would put his hand on the head, representing himself with this animal, as now this animal was going to take on his sin. After that, then this animal had to be sacrificed at the entry to the tabernacle there to show that a life had to be given uh, in death. And third, then third, the animal finally was killed, and then the priest would take some of the blood and he would sprinkle it out on the altar because Moses would later write, it is the blood that makes atonement by means of the life. Now, after the peace offering was sacrificed, then it had to be uh, prepared by the worshiper. And so the fat covering the intestines, I hope you ate by this point, the fat covering the intestines, the two kidneys and the fat around them, and the fat of the liver had to be removed, and it was given to the priest, and the priest would put it on top of the burnt offering as it was now being offered to God. Once that was done... Then there was a symbolic ceremonial meal representing communion in union with God that would take place. Now, if the sacrifice was a peace offering of thanksgiving, whatever was left over on that day had to be eaten then or had to be getting rid of. If it wasn't a thanksgiving peace offering, but one that was taking a vow or one that was called a, a, a simple thanksgiving to God, a sign of love, then you had to eat on that day, or if there was leftovers, you could eat what was left over on the second day. But it did not matter. Anything left over on the third day had to be destroyed in the fire. Now, at this moment, I pause and try to bring you back to be awake. Please keep some of what I just said in the forefront of your mind, please. Because what I just shared with you in the Old Testament is honestly the very reason why Jesus shows up on Easter to his apostles and chooses the words that he does to speak to them on that blessed day. What we see as we look at this text tonight, my friends, is that in Christ's resurrection, you and I, we are connected to peace. We hear again those words from the gospel lesson, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 21. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors, 
because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. Now, if we remember, mankind was created to be at peace with God. We were created in his image. Unfortunately, that didn't last very long, did it? Because then came the fall. And so we traded perfect peace with God and went from that to having anger and hatred for him and for the people around us. When things don't go as planned, well, we like to blame God for our troubles or we like to blame somebody else very rarely looking at our own actions and taking responsibility for those things. When we're down in the dumps, we can get angry at God, knowing full well that he could do something to fix that situation, but he doesn't because he knows what's best for us and for our faith and our eternal well-being at that time. And that leaves us sometimes feeling like the only thing that we can do is to complain to God. And because you know what? He's not going to listen to my complaints Sometimes we can get bitter, we can get angry, and we can have that attitude to the people around us like that. You know what? If my life is miserable, you know what? You can live miserably right now too because I have to. Isn't it pathetic? Isn't it disgusting to think that we went from having the very image of God in his peace to having the image of the devil? On Easter, Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said, peace be with you. And notice he didn't do it just once, he did it twice. And the peace offering of Leviticus chapter 3 is the very reason he says, peace be with you. God had sent his only son into this world to restore that peace and to bring salvation. Jesus came to be the peace offering necessary for you and me and all humanity to have peace with God. Just like that animal of an Israelite sacrifice for the, for the peace offering was to be without blemish, Jesus was totally without blemish and defect as he lived every single day and every moment perfectly for you and for me. Just as the Israelite laid his hand on the head of that animal to symbolize it was now going to take on his sin, God the Father placed all sin of all people of all time on the head of Jesus. We heard how the blood had to flow from that animal and in that sacrifice for there to be peace and redemption. And the same thing happened with Jesus. Jesus had his blood in the same way flow from his wrists and his feet as the soldiers drove in the nails. He had blood flowing down his face from the crown of thorns, down his body from the scourging and the whipping that we were supposed to have, but he took instead. The blood that flowed from his sacred wound after being stuck by that spear. And just like that animal, Jesus, too, on the cross, then gave up his spirit, and he died, sacrificing himself for us in the same way the animal sacrificed itself for that Israelite worshiper. But wait. After that moment, we know that Christ's bloodied body was still hanging 
on Calvary's cross. And if he was to be a true peace offering to God, well, we know then his body had to be taken care of. And you know what it was? Death seemingly swallowed him up as his body was then put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And after three days, we know that Christ's body was still in that tomb. But remember, Leviticus chapter 3 says that for a peace offering, on the third day, whatever remains had to be burned in fire. And so Jesus, on the third day, now alive in his body, he went and he descended into hell. But, and this is extremely important, please don't misunderstand, but he did not, I repeat, he did not go there to suffer because Jesus wasn't some simple animal peace offering. He's our greater peace offering. And so Jesus, in his glory, came into the fires of hell to go face and to confront that serpent that lives within its flames. And he looked at him and he said, do you think you've won? Do you think that I have the mere blood of beasts in my veins? Absolutely not. I am the son of God. I am the son of man. And with my perfect life and my perfect and holy death, you know what? My blood was able to do something that no animal's blood could do before me. I have made total satisfaction. I have brought peace between God and humanity for all people of all time. You have lost all who believe they possess this gift by faith and they are promised that they have a mansion waiting for them in heaven. My friends, this is the peace that you and I have from the resurrection and that connects us to Jesus. There was an elderly man and he was a woodcutter. He was the great woodcutter of the forest, and one day he decided to go into the forest and give his grandson the chance to come along and to have his first experience of coming and picking out and cutting down trees that would be then sold to boat builders. And as they walked along, the grandfather told his grandson that if you pay attention, every tree that's going to be cut down usually shows what it's going to be in its shape. Some of the trees were created to be straight. They'll be used as planks. Others have the proper curvature. They're going to be ribs to the boat. And yet some are tall that can be used for masts. And the woodcutter told his grandson that by learning about this and by experience in being able to understand this, there was a chance that someday he would be able to take over the family business and become the woodcutter. Well, as they walked further into the forest, they came upon this old oak tree that had never been cut down before. And it was a gnarled up old oak tree. The limbs were all in the wrong direction. It was short. The trunk was all goofy looking. It seemed to have no purpose. And so the grandson asked his grandfather if, if he could cut it down. At least if they could cut it down, well, they'd use it for, for some firewood, and then maybe it would have an actual purpose. Well, the grandfather, seasoned with age, said, you know, let's just wait and let's focus why we're here, and that's to get the right trees to make money to sell to the boat builders. We can worry about this tree later. After a couple of hours of working out in the woods in the heat, my grandson, first time out there, got pretty tired. And so he asked his grandpa if they could 
take a moment and rest. And so the grandfather lovingly took him over by that old gnarled up oak tree and they sat down together, rested up against it underneath the nice shade that the branches were giving him. And as they sat there, the grandfather finally looked at his grandson and he said, you know, some things in this world are obvious, like the tall, beautiful-looking trees, while others are not. And my grandson, over time, you need to understand that you have to pay attention and be observant in everything in God's creation. And when you do, oftentimes what happens is you're going to see what God's purpose for it, for that thing was. Because now look, you wanted to cut down this tree because you thought it had no purpose. But now it's allowing you and me to rest against its trunk in the cool shade that it's giving us. Ever have a day when you feel like that old gnarled up oak tree? That you feel like you have no or you wonder what your purpose in this life is? I think we all have that feeling at times. Pastors aren't uh, not included in that. And my friends, what we see here with this peace is yet again that Jesus' peace, it gives us a purpose in this life, doesn't it? Our Savior said, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, now I am also sending you. Living in and possessing Christ's resurrection and his peace means that you and I now have the purpose to proclaim that resurrection and peace to other people. Notice who Jesus appears to in this text. It's to the 12 that had been with him on and off through three years of ministry. It was the people that were with him in his preaching and teaching on a regular basis. And folks, that's the lesson there for us, isn't it? If you and I have been assigned by God to follow what he says in this text, and to go out and to share this peace, that means we need to be with our Lord and Savior regularly. And so that's what we do, right? We come here and we regularly worship our Lord and hear his word. When offered, we come regularly before him and we take his body and blood in with and under that bread and wine. But union and communion with God dare not stop right there. No, for the Christian, it's something that we need every day outside of the worship service included. And so we need to take the time, you and I do, in our personal lives to have union and communion with God and his word in our own homes. And we do that again so that we can be built up in the resurrection peace and share that peace with other people in our lives. But not just because of that. We also take time out of our busy days to go reconnect with that peace that our Lord and Savior gives us, that this world does not offer you and me at any point in our busy day. And then when we've done that, well, then it's simple. Then we just go and share that peace with others. And if you're a parent, it's really easy. Tell your children. Remember, it's the parent's job to raise their children in the way of the Lord. Yes, the church is here and we will help in that, but remember the command in Scripture from God is that the majority of that training is to be done by the parents. And so parents, I can't encourage you enough. Make your children come to church when they don't want to. Make them come and sit and pay attention 
to the sermon. So at the very minimum that they can tell you the piece of scripture that was the basis for that message. Have them come and make them sing the songs and follow the liturgy if they can read. Because when you do that, then we parents, we are doing exactly what Jesus has told us to do here in his word. And for those without children or with children, God wants us to share that resurrection peace with the other people in our life. I'm pretty sure we all know somebody that's hurting or troubled or anxious or worried or whatever. What better times than when that person is anxious and worried to get the test results back from the doctor or that person is struggling in their dating life or when that person is, is dealing with an unruly teenager and having problems at home. What better times than those for the Holy Spirit to use you and to use me to give and to share that peace so that that other person can also be connected to the peace found in Jesus in Jesus alone. Folks, may God grant us in his word and his supper the strength to have and to share that peace so that others and us may have it now and always, that we always are connected to peace in Christ. To him be the glory. Amen.